Welcome to Livelihood, providing tactical and practical tips for women who work. I'm Britt Larson, your host. to have Meg Walter here with me today. Meg and I go way back. We've worked together for several years on a bunch of different clients and initiatives that are really important to what's happening here in Utah where we both live. But the topic that we're speaking about today is a national and frankly a global issue. And before we really dig into it, I want Meg to give us a, a little bit about her background and her career. So welcome, Meg. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad we made this work and I'm really excited to get your take on um, how women can get more involved in policy, especially if this isn't something that they're you know, naturally inclined to do. And with all of the um, violence that's happening in America, I think so many women are feeling really helpless and I've just been so inspired by you the last few weeks. But before I spill the oh, beans on that, tell us about your background and your career. So I am a writer, and I've been a writer for a really long time. Uh, Where I have written has changed quite a bit. Um, I have done a lot of copywriting and technical writing, and then a few years ago, I started writing for Beehive Startups, which turned into Silicon Slopes. And from Silicon Slopes, we launched the Beehive, which is a publication about all things Utah, And after having my third baby, I switched over to writing exclusively for the Beehive. And that's where I am now. I write a lot of culture pieces, a lot of entertainment pieces, and every once in a while, a political piece, which brings us here today. And I just, I have to laugh because your bachelor recaps, (laughs) that is not the point of this conversation, but you... (laughs) You are the exact kind of writer that I'm not. You're witty and quippy, and I just, I love reading your writing. You are so kind. Thank you. I'm not just saying that, and I feel like because I'm a writer as well in a different way, I am more skeptical and even, you know, more critical, but I I love the way that you write. Um, And I think, like you said, that's what brought us here today is a piece that you wrote um, after the mass shootings that were um, now a few weeks ago, um, will you walk us through kind of what prompted you to write that piece? And of course, I'll be including it in the blog post with this episode so that people can can read it and check it out for themselves. Sure. And I apologize if I get emotional. It's been an emotional week, honestly. It's busy, um, too. It's kind of gone viral. It's, it's Yeah, it's been busy. I just had a conversation with uh, Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox and I started crying in his face. I'm, I'm a little bit, a little bit on edge, I think. Um, but last, well, first of all, uh, two weeks ago there was that shooting in Gilroy at the Garlic Festival, um, and it made the news for all of a couple hours. Um, less than a week later, there was the shooting at a Walmart in El Paso, and 13 hours that after that, there was a shooting in Dayton. Ohio. Um, at the time, I was on a little getaway with my family, and I I think we've all been in that situation where we want to be in the moment, but we feel a responsibility to be grieving with mm-hmm. those who have just suffered a tragedy, and we have feelings of hopelessness, 
uh, we're scared and we're so tired. I think that's really what prompted it more than anything was just how tired I felt because we felt this so many times and none of us want to feel this way anymore. Um, like you said, this is not my wheelhouse. I don't write political pieces often. And I don't think this is a political piece, but I don't do a lot of serious subject matter. I do a lot of jokes. I do a lot of satire. Uh, my big thing right now is I'm reviewing all the hamburgers in Utah. Yeah. So this was way outside of my comfort zone. Uh, I actually went back and forth quite a bit on whether or not I did want to write it. And I consulted with a number of people and I heard a really? lot of, are you sure you want to do this? This is a loaded issue. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's, I don't know if you've followed any conversations surrounding gun violence on social media, but yeah, they I'm tend not to evolve very reaction, quickly. But um, I think that's why your piece was so interesting to me because you didn't treat it as a political issue. Because as someone like me who is really involved in politics, I get really frustrated by a lot of the stuff that I see because it feels so skewed towards gun rights or it feels so skewed towards emotion and you just struck the perfect balance. Well, thank you. And that's ultimately what I decided to do was write an apolitical piece that is mainly pathos and is mainly my lived experience. Not even, even as someone who has dealt firsthand with gun violence, but as a citizen in this country that has suffered intense, gun tragedies in the last decade. And so I wrote this piece. It's an open letter to our politicians, and it's a catalog of sorts of what the last decade has looked like in terms of mass shootings while I have brought three children into the world and what that experience has been like as a parent witnessing these mass shootings and these, the reaction and the lack of progress made in preventing mass shootings in the future. Um, and I published it not really knowing what was going to happen. And I've been completely blown away by the response. I've heard from all kinds of people. I've heard from people I'm very surprised to have heard from in support of what I wrote. And I really think we're in a moment where we can come together and we can talk about this and we can come up with something that makes sense to keep our kids safe. Oh, thank you. I just have to thank you because... You know, like I said, and I talk a lot on livelihood about political involvement, but I keep my own personal beliefs out of it, primarily for the reason that you already laid out that I, I don't want to get into debates on social media. It can often feel like more of a waste. And I just felt like your approach was so refreshing because you. if you're pro Second Amendment, that doesn't make you someone who is apathetic to what's happening. If you are anti-gun, that doesn't mean you automatically hate people who own guns. And too often right. these issues just get painted in such broad strokes or black and white. And as I read your piece, my first thought, and I think this was my comment on Facebook when I saw it, was that I just kept thinking, and I'm going to get emotional now. <laughs> um, this is why we need more women in policy, because we understand nuance. We are willing to call it like it is. And I was in fifth grade when Columbine happened, and I'm from about 40 minutes from Columbine. And so, you know, my school was locked down. Um, I had under yeah. the desk. And so this has been something Ugh. 
I've thought about, so you know, sorry. my whole life, which is how most of us feel. And we are tired of feeling complacent, but we also don't know what else to do. And so I just loved, as I read it, your experience as a mother, you know, I went to Walmart a few days after the shooting. And as I walked in, I just froze and I didn't really understand what was happening. And it's just become such a part of our culture. But my point is that women getting involved does not have to look like you running for Congress. I think we focus so much on, we need more women in those rooms making decisions. And of course, I'm all for that. But I also think using your platform the way that you did is super brave and something, frankly, all of us can do. Thank you. I hate seeing issues like this politicized because I feel like it distracts from the issue at hand. And I just saw so many people who I love and respect and frankly, just disagree with just call people out on social media and get really divisive and then people get defensive and when I read your piece, I just kept thinking, this is why more women need to speak up. You know, I've heard recently, I don't have a source and I hate just throwing this out without any sort of like citation, but uh, to study the lowland gorillas in wherever they study gorillas um, in Africa, they send in women to communicate with these gorillas and to live among them. And they do that because women have a higher level of emotional intelligence on average and I think that that is something that we absolutely bring to the table is our understanding of emotion and our understanding of people on a fundamental level. And it's so true that women, I see it in the workplace all the time. I see it in relationships Like we just bring such a unique perspective. And I think at times a very understanding perspective, right? Where I don't know. I don't yeah. want to say that men aren't able to look at multiple sides of things, but I think that women and mothers, for some reason, we've become adapt. Um, we've trained ourselves to look at different sides of things and try to understand things on an emotional level. Um, there's one thing I do well, and that's writing. It's the one, it's the one thing I can do, right? Really? Thank well. you. But it's so there's like, <laughs> there's this issue. I don't know what to do. I'm going to use the one skill I have and throw myself at it using that skill. And I would love to hear other ways that people can use their skills to do that. If they're tenacious, what they're doing, if they're a gifted athlete, what they're doing. I think there's so many ways that we can use our platforms, whatever our platforms are to make a difference, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And I really like to keep our episodes tactical because I think one of the reasons why women don't do this is because we have 10 billion other things going on. And the last thing we want to do is sacrifice our time away from our families or our careers or our hobbies to do these things that can sometimes feel fruitless. But one of the things that really struck me is that you mentioned in your piece that you reached out to your federal representatives. I can't remember which shooting prompted that, but I want you to speak to that. Um, And one thing I want to add here is having firsthand knowledge, having worked on Capitol Hill for a congressman, I get so frustrated with how little people do that. <laughs> because really? Yeah, it is taken so seriously. And I don't want to speak for every member of Congress and every senator, but the ones that I interacted with and the people that I worked with on the Hill take it so seriously. Making a phone call in the wake of a tragedy like this and even just saying, I want my member of Congress to be aware that their constituents are paying attention. 
You don't have to be politically minded at all. My boss would walk in every time he walked into our office. What are my constituents saying? What are they calling about? He got a report every day about all of the topics that we had been emailed about that day. And he poured over it and it influenced every decision that he made. And good members of Congress do that. Good senators pay attention. And it may not feel that way when you do it. It can yeah. feel fruitless, but it's not. And I just want to add that if you ever, as a woman, want to reach out to your members of Congress, they pay attention and it's not fruitless. No, it's not fruitless. After the Pulse shooting, I wrote to my representative at the time, who was Chris Stewart, and I wrote to Senator Lee, and it was Senator Hatch at the time. I wrote to all of them, and I expressed my fears, a lot of the same as fears I expressed in the letter that I published, and asked them what they could do, and they responded. They responded with legislation that they hoped to see enacted, and that legislation never went anywhere, but I did appreciate that they responded. Uh, I mentioned this in the letter. Looking back, I wish that I had also reached out to my local politicians at the time. I think that was a mistake. And I think that was to turn an entire country, a political policy that affects an entire country, is like turning the biggest bus in the world, whereas (laughs) local legislature can turn on a dime. I mean, obviously not quite that easily, but it's much easier it's much faster. It's much more easy to get involved on the local level. Um, and I think that should be everyone's focus in enacting change is start small. Um, start where you live and work your way up. And Brittany, I also want to talk about something you mentioned a minute ago about mm-hmm. how hard it is for women to take time away for their family. I've had kind of a busy week. Yeah. I have had to do so much child care juggling to get where I need to be, to get to interviews, to talk with the press, to be at meetings with politicians. My number one stressor is where am I going to take Mm. my children? And I wish that we had some sort of system in place that could alleviate that just a little bit. Uh, Some sort of affordable option where I knew my kids were being taken care of And I could go do this, what I feel is important work that needs to be done. As it is right now, it's it's a major pain point for any woman who wants to get involved, especially when they're... Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Again, a major reason why women need to be involved because for too long and too many decades, we've had men trying to fix problems that, like you said, it's not that they don't understand or have their own unique perspective. This isn't about male bashing. It's that when you understand the stressor firsthand, you are going to solve it a lot more efficiently. And that also goes to your point of on the community level. I get really frustrated when people know more about what's going on with the president than they do in their own communities. And we're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. And I'm a political, you know, I'm a political consultant. So I fall into that trap and I actually just found out a few weeks ago, I wasn't following my local city council on Facebook. They're proposing a tax increase. (laughs) I'm not going to get into it, but it would drastically change my life way more than anything that president Trump is doing. I kind of kicked myself and thought, where have I been? I'm not paying attention. I'm not doing the thing that I always get frustrated with other people about. So it doesn't have to be 
a big thing. It can be even just making sure you know who your local representatives are. Um, it could be reaching out to them if, again, something happens that prompts that. But your point about childcare is it's a really important one. I mean, one thing I thought when you were talking about how you were writing is it's such a cool time to be a woman that you can do a lot of that in a flexible way. Um, I'm talking to you working from home today, which is, it's just cool. That's not something my mom had an option to do. So she had to start her own business. Um, and not that that's something that's not cool. It's amazing as well, but women are starting to get those, those options. We have a long way to go. We do have a long way to go. And I also work from home primarily, which is wonderful and flexible and great. It's also a little bit isolating. Um, we, that's something we need to recognize. Uh, we need to get women in rooms with other people and bring their ideas to the table. It doesn't have to be the traditional nine to five hours. Let's just make it more of an option and more available. To Absolutely. Them. And I really, truly think, cause I talk about this all the time on livelihood, women are going to be the catalyst to make that happen. We oh, can't sure. expect that from men. Um, I would love to be able to, but then the solution isn't going to be what we want. Um, and I see that in the workplace too, with more and more companies understanding that they need to offer flexibility or that they want to be able for women to, you know, to stay around and stick around in the corporate setting, but women have to influence those things if we want to, to get results, if we want it to be what we want. And again, this goes back to just make your voice heard. Let people know what you want and what you need. They don't know unless you tell them. That's a that's a great point. And it can be, like you said, it can be as um, far-reaching as an article that you write that I feel like everyone I know is sharing it on Facebook and you've been on tons of uh, news outlets talking about what you've shared and you're gracious enough to join me on Livelihood. Um, but it also can be as Pleasure. simple as reaching out to a neighbor who you know um, influences change in your community and just getting to know them a little bit better. Absolutely. Start wherever you can. Um, with that in mind, uh, what do you have planned next? Are you just recovering <laughs> from the craziness of the last few weeks? I mean, I think I'll write about abortion next. Oh my gosh. I'm just kidding. Uh, No. Um, You know, I just, I want to keep pushing forward with this. I want to keep talking with lawmakers and with constituents. I want to find a way for us to come together. I'm at the Silicon Slopes office right now. We just had a town hall with Spencer Cox and Clint, uh, who was moderating, this conversation was kind enough to bring up the letter at the start of the conversation and ask him about his response about to it. Um, and he said some interesting things and we'll publish those on the beehive. And I also had a conversation with him afterward and I stood in front of him and I cried and he cried. Um, and I asked what we can do. Sorry. I'm getting emotional. Um, and he said, we just, we need to, we need to be loud and we need to make our voices heard and we need to do everything we can, no matter how hard it is to keep having these hard conversations. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep having these hard conversations. I'm going to keep 
emailing my representatives. I'm going to keep being <laughs> as annoying as possible on social media to get responses until until we can come up with a solution. I love that. And I think for a long time, we haven't expected a lot out of our um, public servants. And I think that that's a huge part of this is that we expect them to come to the table. We expect them to listen. Um, but I think you're such a great example of a citizen, like you said, using the talents that you do have to, to cause change. Cause you've given me a lot to think about and way more to think about than any of my elected representatives have in the last few weeks. And so I don't want to make it sound like I don't think we should hold them to a higher standard. I am 100% for that. I think one Thank of the you. main reasons we have a lot of the people in power that we do is because we've, we've disrespected that kind of work for a long time. We, and we just don't hold them to the same standard. Um, but like you said earlier, if change is really going to happen, if we're going to start impacting our communities, it's going to happen right there. It's going to happen in our neighborhoods with our circle of influence and, and then spread out from there. You know, I also, I think we, uh, we need to be mindful of how we're communicating. Um, I think that respect begets respect, right? So if we are reaching out in a angry and bombastic fashion, we're going to be ignored. Uh, If we reach out in a way that says, hey, this is how I'm feeling. How can you help me? We're more likely to get a response in my experience. Uh, I think that the internet has made communication hard in a lot of ways. And I think that if we all set out to communicate online the way we communicate in person, we could accomplish much more than we're accomplishing now because we'd be talking to each other like humans. I'm really glad you brought that up because like I mentioned, and it's just the nature of the kinds of people I'm connected with having worked with the kinds of people I have. Um, I saw a lot of things that really frustrated me and I think just in general, we're all tired, not only of these problems, but we're tired of the lack of respectful discourse. And if yes. we can't do that on our own Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, why do we expect our elected members of Congress to be able to do that? Um, they're human, just like us. And I actually had an experience that was pretty sad, but it gave me a lot to think about where I asked someone some questions about something that they posted. And I was trying really hard to be respectful. Um, and this person just didn't want to engage. And it wasn't that I was trying to debate. I truly was trying to understand where someone was coming from. But I think that we're all conditioned to believe that when people are asking questions, they're really just trying to prove us wrong. And I ended up just saying just that I am not trying to prove anything. You put yourself out there. And like you've talked about, Meg, it's risky and it's scary. And I don't want to downplay that because every time I post something that's even remotely political, I immediately regret it. Um, But there's always good that comes out of it. If, like you said, if I focus on being respectful um, as the the main thing. Yeah. And I've absolutely received, (laughs) received messages that have made me question if it was worth doing. Um, but I, I just have to remind myself that those people aren't thinking beyond their initial point, if that makes sense. They're not following yeah. the logic. They're not taking it two steps further. Um, I think that they're scared. 
I think that there are a lot of us are scared and we're scared that our identity is going to be infringed on. We're scared that a life we know is going to be taken away. And I think that's valid. I, but I really think that if we just start talking to each other in real ways and make our own experiences known, we have so much more in common than we do not in common. Oh, amen. And one of the coolest things that has happened that you just made me think about since I launched Livelihood um, about eight months ago, I had a woman who works in New Zealand send me a message that basically spoke to everything I was dealing with too, you know, trying to figure out, she didn't have children, trying to figure out when she was going to start her family, but her career was growing. And I just sat there and cried because here's a woman on the other side of the world who I on paper have very little in common with, but because she reached out to me and I was vulnerable and shared my story, which is not something I like, um, which may not seem obvious as I'm hosting my own podcast. (laughs) Well, I sure. <laughs> no, but I get it. Like, I totally there get it. are so many ways that women can do that that just men aren't going to. And so the more that we share our story like you did, the more that we are vulnerable, the more willing we are to listen to other people, the more change will happen. And I think um I think just to to wrap things up, um, there were a lot of things that you did before you shared that. And that's also what struck me. You know, you, you reach out to your federal representatives, you owned in this piece that there are things that you wish you had done differently. You talk about facts, but you also brought in emotion and you recognize as a mother that you're going to combine those two things. And that's, it's hard to do that in the way that you have. And you just inspired me so much. Oh, thank you. I, I do want to say that it is hard that it's a, it's a, scary, hard thing. I've been on emotional shaky ground for the last week. Uh, but, but I knew that would happen. These are hard conversations, but it's a sacrifice we have to make. I think we all need to just be brave. It's, it's required at this time. Absolutely. And I hope that the women listening feel the same way I do. I know that they will after they read it, especially that you know, we, we have to speak up and, and like you said, be loud. So thank you for being loud, even though you have the sweetest voice. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're, you're nice. Thank thank you. Just, you, and I think that's another reason why as I read it, I could just feel the conflict that you were dealing with as you shared it. None of this is easy. If there were easy answers to yeah. any policy, then we wouldn't be all be talking about it and there wouldn't be 24 hour news cycles and there would be Twitter. Right. Um, right. So I think exactly. just accepting that, like you said, it is going to be hard. You have to calculate that risk and you've just given me so much to think about. So is there anything else you want to end with? I mean, just, just keep talking, just keep saying what you need to say and talking with each other in a real and human way. And Brittany, thank you so much for, for talking with me today. This has been a real pleasure. Well, thank you for coming. And you just made me think that, you know, one of my favorite quotes from one of our founding fathers, and I'm going to butcher it, but Thomas Jefferson said that a political disagreement was never a cause for leaving a friend or abandoning a friend. And I think that if we continue to isolate ourselves and only surround ourselves with people who think exactly like us, we're, we're in for it. It's just going to get worse. 
And that's a major disservice to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. When I expose myself to all viewpoints, I always learn something. And some, not to make this about me, but something that has always bothered me is people assume because I'm involved in politics is that I'm really close-minded. But I feel like it's the opposite. You have to be willing to be open to other points of view. And I'm sure you've even seen that um, since you've posted this article. You've been taught. It's it's a lot of compromise. Absolutely. And guess what? Women are so good at that. (laughs) (laughs) We sure are. (laughs) Well, thanks again, Meg. I'm so glad that you were willing to join me, and I just can't wait to see what you do next. So thank you. Oh, thanks, Brittany. Same to you. Thank you for listening to Livelihood. Please share this episode with your friends, and be sure to follow Livelihood on Instagram and join the Livelihood community group on Facebook. You can always find more info and episodes on livelihoodwithay.com.